And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Well, James, I think one of the best things that we can do during this brutal, crazy time is support local restaurants. Uh, There are obviously tons of good ones in Toronto, and one of the best ways to help them and access them is through DoorDash. Uh, One of the ones that I really like in in my neighborhood, sort of in my neighborhood, is Craig's Cookies. Have you ever tried Craig's Cookies? I have no idea what that is. Oh my God. It is just like, they basically take like your favorite chocolate bars and like ram it into a chocolate cookie. And if you get them like freshly baked or whatever, you just heat them up, they're like unbelievable. So there's like Twix and Snickers and like cookies and cream and they're just like ridiculously good. And so you can order them on DoorDash. So right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter the code LEAF. So that's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LEAF. Don't forget, that's code LEAF for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Okay, James, we finally have a trade. Kasperi Kapanen is now a Pittsburgh Penguin. The Leafs get back a first-round pick. They get back some cap space, a prospect, other stuff. So on a scale of 1 to 10, your reaction to, or your surprise level to this, I presume, is like a 1. So my follow-up, and you wrote about it, uh, I thought really well at The Athletic, um, that this is a win for the Leafs. Tell me why. Well, I just think that if they were going to trade Kapanen, if they were going to trade Kapanen for future assets, they got a lot more than I expected they would get. And you, I talked to a few other teams around the league, and I was asking some teams, how close were you? And they said to giving up a first-round pick for Kapanen, not very close. There were multiple teams saying that, and multiple teams didn't think they were going to be able to get a first-round pick for Kapanen. And not only did they get a first-round pick, they got one of Pittsburgh's best prospects in Philip Palander. 
uh, who's considered, you know, and he's a center prospect too, which the Leafs obviously need, need more of. So, and then you add in the Evan Rodrigue, um, is it Rodrigue, Rodriguez? Um, Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Who potentially could play for them as well. I mean, they're going to have to have some negotiation with him uh, about him potentially signing an extension that's less than his his uh, qualifying offer. But um, they got they got a lot of assets there, and so yes, they clear the cap space, which is is number one for them because they're going to try and allocate some of that money to their blue line. Um, but to do that and also get a pick that's fifteenth overall, a good prospect, and then another depth winger that you feel like you can use in your organization. I think that I think that that's why that was a win. Yeah, I guess when you look at it um, that way, it's it's hard not to think of it that way. I guess I'm just thinking like, what should, in theory, someone like Kapanen get you? He's 24. Um, he is signed for another two years at a, a reasonable price. Um, he, he has his skills. Like he's obviously tremendously fast. He can score a bit. He's got good size. Like, I kind of feel like that, that should be about what you get, like a first round pick and a pretty good prospect. But given the year that he had, um, maybe, maybe that's a stretch. Like maybe you just, maybe they shouldn't have been able to get this. And maybe it took a team in Pittsburgh's position that's kind of desperate itself and a GM like Jim Rutherford, who just doesn't give a flying, you know what, to just kind of pry all those things away, plus the cap space, which is just kind of the the sneaky side benefit, big benefit of this whole thing. Well, I think the big question is, what do you think Kasperi Kapanen is, and and where do you yes. project, and do you think he's got more room to get better? And you know, I you know me, I've been kind of a bit of a downer on Kapanen for a while now. Um, if people that listen to this podcast or, or read the articles on our site, I think that his ceiling is as a third line player who doesn't really elevate uh, his play with better players. If you look at every time he was with Tavares or Matthews, generally speaking, the underlying numbers and even not the like the box boxcar numbers took a hit. And with the way the Leafs are constructed with so much money in their top four forwards. I don't know that they can afford to have very many forwards on the third line who can't play higher in the lineup who make $3.2 million. That, that's what it comes down to. And then you add in the fact that the, the other really important factor is that Kapanen had a lot of value on the market. Whereas I think if he played another season where, you know, he had, would he have 13 goals or something? If he had another terrible year and he was on the third line and it wasn't working again, and he gets one more year closer to to being a free agent again. I'm not sure that his value was going to hold for the Leafs. So I think now was the right. And the other thing too is that, and I'm saying a lot of other things in a row. The other thing too is that the Leafs want to change the composition of their roster. Some players are going to have to go, and it probably makes sense to trade players where other teams are throwing a lot of good assets at you, as opposed to selling low on players. And, and Kapanen's a guy that they were able to sell, I think, relatively high on. So I have a few comments on that. And I think those are very fair points. I think it's... So I've obviously wavered back and forth on Kapanen. After last year, not this one, I felt like of the two, like I was higher on Andreas Janssen and that at some point it would be Kapanen that they had to trade. And then after this year, 
Janssen didn't have a good year. Kapanen didn't have a good year. But I spent some time during the pause and I was thinking about it. And I was thinking, you, you know, I can kind of see what this guy might like look like if he's like 5%, 10% better. And maybe the Leafs should, you know, hold on to that. And then you watch him in the playoffs and it's five games after like a five-month break. So maybe like you shouldn't think this way. But I watched him and I just think, I thought exactly what you said, that this guy is not going to be anything better than a guy who can play on a third line. Um, and I know, you know, Pittsburgh believes clearly that they're getting a guy who can play in their top six. That never worked for the Leafs. Like no. they didn't play him on one of their top two lines when they needed someone to play on their top two lines this year. Maybe like, Crosby that's how and, much. Yeah, maybe Crosby, sorry to interrupt you. Maybe Crosby and Malkin can like turn him into a different player, but he was given a lot of opportunity to do that with the guys that the Leafs have, the centers that the Leafs have, and it, and it wasn't working. And not only that, I think yes. that there, I think there was some frustration for the players playing with Kapanen that it wasn't working. And I, I, you, you know, he asked off the top how surprised I was, and not at all because I think I think there were a lot of arrows pointing in the right direction here, where the Leafs were frustrated with Kapanen. Kapanen was frustrated, I think, with the role that he had a little bit, and that he wasn't having success. Um, he's been in the organization a long time since the Kessel trade, which was at 2015. Five so years five, five years, all, a little bit more than five years. Um, there were just, there were just a lot of arrows pointing in this direction. And I wouldn't be surprised if Kapanen was okay with getting a fresh start too, because he had a tough year on the ice. It sounds like he had a tough year off the ice with, uh, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know all the details, but it sounds like there was a lot of stuff going on in his life. And, um, you know, he probably wants a clean slate and a chance to play in a good team with good players. And, you know, the Leafs will take the cap space and the pick and the prospect and and see what they can do with that. I I see what he was trying to say in talking about his excitement, you know, for playing with Crosby and Malkin. But if I'm the Leafs, I'm thinking he didn't feel that way playing with Matthews and Tavares. Like Matthews and Tavares is you rank one, two center combinations in the league that's like top five top three anyway i i do think it's i i agree with you that if you wait another year and it's more the same he scores 17 goals he looks like he'll be 25 next summer like at some point he stops this is kind of the counter argument that i think i even made in the story i wrote is that at some point he just stops being like a prospect he stops being like interesting and intriguing and like upside and all that stuff and, yeah. and this just stop, starts being who he is and at, at what point, I have to think the Leafs at this point just said, this is what he is. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? At what point, Jonas, does a prospect become a suspect, right? That's like, I, I, nice. I wonder if it was Bob McGill that said that. It's one of those sayings in hockey that 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 people have that, um, and it's not, I, I feel like we're probably being too down on Kapanen, uh, you know, and, and we're not, this isn't, we don't just, we don't just tear down players when the Leafs trade them away. Like that's not really that's not our style. Like when when Kadri no. got traded away, when Kadri got traded away, we weren't saying how bad of a player Kadri was. Um, in fact, we were pretty lukewarm on that trade when that happened. Um, but I just think that I don't know. I I, and I said this. I've said this a few times, but I was just surprised this year when I did some traveling with the Leafs that when you talk to other teams. They would be like, "Oh, what about Kapanen? Like, what do you think of Kapanen?" And you know, like they were, they because you know why they do you love know why him. because he looks like he should be really good. 
Like if you if you watch him for a game or two or three and you look at him and you're like, holy shit, he is really fast. Like he gets what is he how many breakaways does he get a game? Like one or two? Like where he gets behind the D? Like it it's at least one. And so you look at him, and you're like, man. He's really fast. And then if you watch some of these plays, and that's like what I did in writing that story is I went through all the goals and assists he had. And I was watching them and I'm like, oh my God, if he gets even like a little bit better, if he becomes a little bit better of a passer, um, if he uses that speed to more effect, if he shoots a little bit more, he's big. Like he's like six feet, six one, almost 200 pounds. And you look at him and you're like, man, like, look at all these things he can do. Obviously, there's stuff he can't do, but, like, look at what he can do. And you, you think, like, he should be really good. And he's a former first-round pick. He has the name. Like, his dad played in the NHL. And so I think it's really easy for teams to look at that, all that stuff, and be like, this guy, maybe he can't be a top-six player for a team like the Leafs. But for us, like, look at him. Why not? Well, you know what it, I mean? To be fair to Kapanen, too, I wonder if, if it's a style of play kind of thing. Like, I wonder... You know, when he was, he's a very north-south kind of player. He's not really like a possession cycle kind of player. And that's the kind of team that yeah. the Leafs are trying to build. He's he's very much like a rush player. Um, and, and the Leafs are, are built oddly in that their strength is shooting centers, which not a lot of teams are built that way. And so they need wingers that can get those shooting the centers, the puck in positions where they can score. And that's not the way that Kapanen plays. So I'm not saying that he's not going to succeed in Pittsburgh because that's possible. I'm just, I just don't think he was going to succeed with the Leafs with the way they're trying to play. I think he's probably, yeah, I think that's fair. I think he's probably will in the next couple of years, he'll get 15 to 20 goals and 40 ish points. Yeah. Um, And I just think the Leafs can replace that. Like I just don't, um, you look at what their forwards potentially could look like next year. Like Mikheyev should be better. Uh, who knows what they'll get from Robertson? But like, I think he's. I think he can be a player who can play on their third line. They've got Barabanov. Like, we don't know what else their forward group is going to look like. How much is going to change? Well, and there's, um, but it just feels like there's nothing with Kapanen that they can't really get by without. And I think the Leafs feel like uh, Andreas Janssen could could come back and, yeah. and be more of the player that he was in his rookie season. And also they can, and Kyle Dubas talked about this tonight on the conference call, they can be players in free agency now that they freed up some money. And I think that that's a really, that's a point that's going to get kind of glossed over a little bit, but free agents are going to get squeezed harder than they've ever been squeezed in probably in NHL history with what's happening with, uh, the pandemic and, and the cap being flat for multiple years. And there are going to be good players available in free agency, making 1 million, making 2 million. And if the Leafs go yeah. into free agency with no cap space at all, they're not going to be players in that marketplace where there's going to be bargains and their competitors, other teams around them in the Eastern conference are going to be competitors for those players. They, they need to have some flexibility. They need to have some ability to go into free agency and offer a bunch of guys a million or a million and a half on, on contracts. Maybe they're able to offer some term to guys. Maybe they're able to offer players that they like two or three years at a million and a half that can help their team. And uh, you can get, you know, do the math. I mean, you can get two of those guys for, for a captain. So I think yeah. that the, and this is where the research and development team, Kyle Dubas, all of the 
money and time that they've put into coming up with these, you know, scouting and analytics and all these things, they need to find some guys that are going to help them. So, and they, they need some, they need some cap space to do that. If they go into free agency with zero cap space, they're not players in that market. So I think that's really, well, impo- I think that's really important. I do too. And we'll get to that in a sec, uh, in more detail. And, you know, striking when they did, I think is probably smart, especially for a team in Pittsburgh's position with a GM like Jim Rutherford. But let me ask you this. This was like something I was playing around in my mind with after the trade. Let's say Kapanen had a really good playoffs. Let's say like he was everything we thought he could be in like a best case scenario. Do you think he would have gotten traded? Sort of. Yes. I, th- I think that this oh, was interesting. I think this was cumulative over the course of the year. I, I think that. I mean, maybe not, but... Uh, See, I wonder I, I, in that scenario if they trade Janssen instead. I think Jonas, they have been shopping Kapanen for a long time. I, I think well, that he's... clearly teams have been interested in him for a long time. Like I how think long they, was, ago was that Ka- Carolina stuff? Right. So, like, I think they've been trying to trade Kapanen for a defenseman for a long time, and they never got an offer for a defenseman that was good enough. Because I was thinking about this today, and it's not... It, wasn't, it didn't end up making my story, but... And eventually they were like, you know what? We might not be able to trade Kapanen for the defenseman we want, but we can probably trade him for some of the other things that we want and the cap space that we can use to spend on a defenseman. And and that's what ended up happening. So it's almost, I think being flexible when you're trying to make a trade is important. Um, if you just say, well, I want to trade Kapanen for a defenseman, I want to trade Kapanen for a defenseman, and then you trade him for a defenseman that you don't really love, that can put you in a tough spot. Um I wonder oh, if that's, that's what happens with Kadri. I think that, that's what I was going to say. I wonder if that happened with Kadri where it's like we have to trade Kadri for a right shot defenseman and help at center. And it's like that's a really hard trade to make. If you look at the trades that fell through for Kadri, they were trying to do the same thing. And it's it's hard to get two pieces and win that trade. And uh, I don't think the Leafs won that trade. But I, I, there was another thing when you were talking I wanted to mention um, – Someone made the point, and I wish I could remember who it was so I could credit them, but that the Leafs are really smart to do this now because if you wait, it's probably going to get harder and harder to move money because there's going to be so many teams that are going to be capped out. There's going to be so many teams that are trying to shed money. If you can be first and, 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 and push that money out, then you avoid the possibility that you can't do that in like a month or two. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. I, I do think, and Kyle Dubas kind of alluded to this, and there are a couple points I want to break down with you there, uh, that more is coming. I, I, I think what's going to be interesting is is what that more looks like. So oh, you mentioned your story. We've talked to, right. Like we've talked about it for a while, some of the things that they could do. And so like let's look at Frederick Anderson as a possibility. If you're the, the Leafs, I guess you, you need to see what you can get, number one. But do you prioritize more cap space and more futures or do you prioritize defensemen or forward or like I'm curious to see how they kind of finagle this. Like, do you just try to get even more cap space or what? Mm. The thing I like about this is that they get pretty good assets and they get cap space. Like if you consider cap space a commodity that has a value, which we should at this point in NHL then that's another asset in the trade. So they trade Kapanen. And like the, the other guys they gave up with Kapanen are nothing. Like Aberg's playing in the KHL and Lindgren's nothing. So it's basically Kapanen for four assets. 
the cap space, uh, Hallander, uh, Rodriguez, and the first round pick. You get four assets for one guy. Um, but you know they need to be smart about the way they use that cap space. So you're asking in the next. Trade. I guess I'm saying like three, three, and a, three and a half million is 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 something. It's not a ton. Like it's not. No. It's not changing your world. Like I wonder if you try to gain even more. And yeah. Or well, what I was what, I, mean? what I what I was told by other teams today was that they're shopping Frederick Anderson and they're shopping him for something that's like not a big cap hit. So that's right. So that's that, that's kind of what I'm asking. Yeah. So they so could free sense. up more cap space there, but that 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 just gives them flexibility to go to the goalie market and potentially the free agent goalie market right. and try and try and sign somebody. It's like the fact that you know maybe they're trying to trade Anderson for another first round pick or like another young player or I don't know. I don't know what they're they're shopping Anderson for, but um. I, I think the key is that you make good trades, not necessarily that you go into a trade and say, I, I, we want more cap space. But the thing, that, yeah. like you're, you're right, like the three and a half million or 3.2 is what they freed up with Kapanen. It's not a lot of money, but what it allows you to do, Jonas, is that your next trade, you can make a trade where you take back the extra money, right? Like you can right. make a trade and the yep. other team's like, oh, good, I, I got rid of three million. And the Leafs are like, well, we, yeah, but we got what we wanted kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, whereas if you're always dealing from a position where, you're right at the cap, then the money has to be equal. And the Leafs now are in a position where the money doesn't have to be equal. You know, they could make a trade with a team that desperately needs to get rid of two or $3 million. And maybe that helps them leverage getting a, a good deal in the trade. Well, and as Dubas talked about, like what the free agent market is, is going to look like, we have no idea. So what you thought, for example, Tyson Berry was going to get in normal free agent times, maybe a lot less. So like, you can't really predict what it's going to be like. It's like, how many like fantasy auctions have you been in? Oh man. You know? Yeah. You know, I when used, like the money yeah. starts being funny and no one knows what to spend. And like at the end of the draft, suddenly you, there's guys who, who are good, who are going yeah. for nothing. Like we I'm just always, don't know what this is going to look like. I'm always the guy waiting at the end and <laughs> because of the oh, beginning. I'm the opposite. I just go hard at the no. beginning to get well, what I want. Most people do. And then they, you just get like these ridiculous overpayments and then, I'm at the end. Yeah. Um, I remember how I did one of those. It was a playoff draft, and it was the year that um, it was the year I want to say it was the year the Oilers went to the final. And I took Pronger, and I think he had a point a game. I think he ended up getting like twenty points or something. And I got him for like nothing. I got him for yeah. like whatever the minimum was, like a dollar or something. And he had twenty points, and I think I won the draft with just because. And like everyone thought Edmonton was going to lose in the first round, and I was like, well, I'm only paying a dollar for him. Like, even if he plays only seven games or whatever, he's going to probably get five or six points. And he was just a monster that year. I don't know. That That's, like, more of my strategy is, like, try and, like, wait it out and try and find some hidden gems. See, my, my strategy in one of our, our basketball pools one year, I think you have a $175 cap. And one year I spent, I believe, $79 on Kevin Durant. I was just like, I am getting him. I do not care. Well, how'd you do? And I think... I think I won or came third. I, mm. I think it might have been the year I won. <laughs> anyway. Not, not yeah, second. It, it's not second. Well, maybe it was second. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, but I did well. In those kinds of pools, having a guy like Duran is, is awesome. Um, but so, like, we don't know what free agency is going to look like. Um, and to your point, cap space, more cap space helps. I, I do think 
I kind of got the implication that you think the cap space is being underplayed by the first round pick in the prospect. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I think there's still hockey still has a hard time in general wrapping its head around the idea that empty space is valuable. If that makes sense, yeah. That like nothing, nothing is worth something. Like, like I guess to, the only to thing to I would like add the Leafs though, having James, zero cap space and going to three three point two is that's that's all, that's pretty good. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting. Dubis mentioned like the possibility of having space during the year to do something because I've always thought that there's a mistake that we sometimes make in media where we look at the team on the first day of the season and think that that's the team that they need to have all year when in reality, like teams change all the time and you can make moves at the deadline. But I do think like the future stuff is really important because if you look at like their prospect pool and you look at the way the drafts have gone for them in recent years, um, it's getting thin. Like I asked Scott Wheeler, who is like a guru with prospects where he would rank the Leafs if you took out Robertson and took Sandine, who are basically going to graduate next year. And he said like 29 to 31. Like they just don't have a lot. They didn't have their pick this year because of the Muzzin trade or the Marlowe trade. And they didn't have the one before that because of the Muzzin trade. So like they kind of needed to to recoup some of these valuable picks and prospects because they just don't have any. Like frankly, like for a few years there, they did not draft particularly well. And that's kind of coming back to hurt them a little bit. Yeah. Although a caveat to that is that you know, everyone's talking about um, every. Everyone's talking. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to find the quote from from Dubis today. Here, let me read the quote first. You know, every, everyone's talking about um, the Penguins being in win now mode because Crosby's 33 and whatever, and that's a fair point. But the Leafs are pretty much in win now mode too, right? Like, oh they, yeah, like they're a contender. So, you know, the, the quote that Kyle Dubas had about the first round pick was he was asked about you know what they might do with it, and he said. I would say that we're open to keeping the pick, but I think with the spot that we're at with our team, we're probably also open to moving it if the right deal came along for someone who could help us now. I, I would not surprise me at all if they trade this pick. Like I, I you're right that their their prospect situation is not great, um, in that potentially Hallander and this first round pick can help them replenish that over time. But you know, it's there's some urgency for them to be. Much better oh, yeah. next year. Well, so. but like James, to your point, like if if team with defenseman X, the guy that like they've dreamed of, um, part of the package to getting him is giving up that first round pick, you do it. Yep. A hundred percent. Because like you have like four more years till Matthews and Neilander yep. are free agents. Like Arner. you can't wait. Yep. But the other side is like if you can get it done without that, I don't know what that is. Whether it's Kerfoot, Cap, well, those guys don't. I don't know what those guys get you, but like at some point you're going to need a little bit of push from below because if you look at like what's coming, you kind of look at it and you're like, well, where can they really like, yeah, count Although, on getting someone? Yeah. Counterpoint to that though, Jonas. I wonder like they've got their in their minds they've got their stars, they've got their goals, right? Like they've got enough offense. They feel like true with, under this coach they were the highest scoring team in the NHL once once Keith took over. Um, maybe they feel like they've got their offense and what they need to do now is complement the core with finding guys in Europe, finding guys in free agency, using that, using that research and development team to find unheralded gems, you know, find more. But counter to your counterpoint, James, the reason or part of the reason you can 
you can trade Kapanen. One is is they find, to your point, a European free agent, Ilya Mikheyev, who is a player. But then, like, the other thing is, like, you, you hit in – well, it looks like a hit in the second round with Nick Robertson. Like, the more you can do that kind of stuff – like, look at Tampa. Like, all these guys that they find free them up to do other stuff. Um, so I think you can kind of look at it both ways, right? But maybe what – like like the roster next year. I know year, what you're saying, though. The, like the roster next year is going to be five to seven players different than when it was last year, and that just might be the case every year. Like if you look at teams like, you know, Pittsburgh's right. who I look at a lot because they they're spending so much money on so few players, and they've been through this, and they've won with a very top heavy cap roster. So I think that they're kind of the model that for the Leafs to follow. And Pittsburgh has cycled guys in and out all the time. And sometimes it's been a Jake, Jake Grensel who's like a third-round pick who ends up being a 40-goal scorer. And that's amazing if you can find a guy like that that does that. But if it's uh, you know someone that you, you trade for or you sign or you, you find these bargain buys and you throw, you bring them through the Marlies and like maybe they can find some more Justin Hall kind of guys who you know go to the Marlies for a year or two. And like it doesn't necessarily have to be first-round picks. You know, you can no, a hundred percent. It's just, just it's just easier to find NHL players in the first round. Like it yeah, but is. in UFA, there's going to be tons of NHL players, and it's you know they, maybe they got to find some guy who's 29 years old that you signed to a one year deal for 800 grand who can play in your on your third line and score 15 goals. Like they, they probably. I just think find- counting on that a year after year, James, is like tough. But they're just going to have to like make sure they find enough. Like they tried some of that last year with Agostino and Patan and. And and none of those guys really contributed. Spezza did. Spezza had a good year. Um, They just, they they need more. I would say they need more Spezzas, but they need guys that can perform even to a higher level than he did. But you like, I I can't let you get away with that. Like you, you need, you need to hit on some of these picks. Like you can't, like if you look at some of these drafts, like the 2017 draft, they might get nothing. Well, uh, like Timothy Lilligren might what if be you, like a third pair guy. What if you find four great free agents for a million bucks? Then then you don't. But why them. can't you do both? Do both. Well, that's what I'm saying. You can't let what, them off the hook for the drafting. I'm sorry. You just well, can't. the drafting was crappy. But like if if they if they end up trading that first round pick, I'm not going to say it's not going to work because they, oh, traded, they traded a first agreed. round pick. Like, I mean, there, there's going to be. I think the way that this organization is looking at it is that they're going to have to use every avenue possible to try and find good players who make not very much money. Like that's that's their goal now. That's like the whole – like if you look at what they're doing this offseason, it's a lot different than last year. Like last year they're worried about kind of, you know, like signing these guys to these big, huge contracts. Like they don't have to worry about that anymore. They have to worry about yeah. finding cheap guys that can produce. And and that, that didn't happen last year. And they, they need it to happen this year. Okay, before we get to that, let's take a very brief break. I'm trying to think of what I was going to say next. It looks like you're, it sounds like you're Googling around to find some counterpoint to shoot me down on something. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, we can talk about what we, what we think the next shooter drop is. Well, or, that, that, that is on the list. Well, that, well, let me, that is what I wanted to talk about. Well, let, let me, let me throw the names at you. So I heard that the names that they're looking at moving next, and it's hard to put together this list because the Leafs will not give this out. So it's, you're kind of relying on like what other teams are saying um, and speculating to a certain extent. I'm almost certain that Anderson has been offered around to other teams. And then the other names that are kind of floating around out there, Andreas Janssen, uh, Pierre Engvall and Alex Kerfoot. What, what do you think of, let's get to Anderson maybe last. Cause we've talked about him a lot. What do you think of the other three names? Well, did you hear, obviously you did, you were on the call. You heard 
uh, Kyle Dubas's response when Chris asked him if he wanted to trade another forward and he kind of like brushed it off. I do not buy that for a second. Um, I'm, I'm interested by if you're an opposing team and you're looking at Kerfoot and you're looking at Janssen, let's say you need a forward. Both are signed for three more years. They're both basically the same age. Janssen's cap hits 3.4, Kerfoot's 3.5. I was like, I've been thinking about like, who would I want more? Like you look at the way Janssen played two years ago and you looked at him and you're like, man, that's a player. You, you watch him during the Calder Cup run for the Marlies and you're like, that is a player. Yeah. Kerfoot, Kerfoot didn't look great at center, but he looked really interesting with, with Tavares and, and Neil and her on the wing. So I, I'd probably, if I was an opposing team, I'd probably be more interested in Kerfoot just because of the potential flexibility. But I, I don't know. I could probably go either way. What about you? So I talked to someone that I really trust that uh, has worked for a number of teams. And I was asking, what do you think of Kerfoot? And they said um, they didn't think he was a center, a really skilled winger, a complimentary player who doesn't drive play by himself, uh, a good fit as a second line winger. Um, so, yeah, I think that's about right. Well, I guess the question then for the Leafs is, what do you think gets you more in a trade? I mean, centers the same. T- centers typically do. I mean, I think that you're going to have a really hard time trading Yachtson for anything that makes sense. You know, like I, I think that if you're the Leafs, you know, I remember when there was that talk about. Remember there was that talk about Georgiev and the Rangers, and the Leafs were talking to Georgiev potentially. Yeah, you were. As, you started that. Yeah. I, 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 well, I started it because I heard that that's what was happening. Um, but there was a lot of talk in the Rangers fan base about Janssen being one of the return. And, and and Rangers fans were like, well, he's only good because he played with Tavares and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like they were, he's like small and he's older and he didn't, you know, he makes this much money. And um I think that Janssen's kind of maybe undervalued around the league. It, it depends what he does next year. Like, it's hard to say what kind of... The Leafs have this bet to kind of make on Janssen where, um, like, if he has another bad year, it's the same thing I said with Kapanen. If Janssen comes back and is not very good, then his trade value is like, like, how are you going to trade him? Nothing. You know, he's going to have... I think he'll have two more years, right, at 3.4 after that. Um, so you have to bet that you think that he can get back to where he needs to be. Um, which is is not a guarantee. But I think that there's enough people in the Leafs organization that believe in Janssen and that they saw him play in that Calder Cup and they saw him play in the year that he was healthy and what he did. Um, he's just, he's a guy that's had a lot of serious injuries. If you go back to when he had the concussion in the AHL and like if you take his whole time in North America, he's had a lot of serious injuries. He's not a big guy. Yep. He puts himself in harm's way sometimes. Um, I... I I, I, when you when you see him play well, he's he's one of those guys that's that's really good at helping elevate the Leafs' best players. Um, but when he's not playing well, he's not really noticeable, and so it it's tough. I feel like if I like, I wouldn't just give Janssen away. But if you can get something no. for him that you want, then I can see the argument for trading him. I guess the question is like, what is that something to entice you? Um, like, is it just a pick? Is it just like another pretty good prospect? Is it, 
I don't is know. Is it like a depth defenseman? Like, and if you're a team looking to is, trade, like you're not going to be excited about Janssen either because he's been so hurt. Like he's had major knee surgery and he had a bad year. And yeah, but I guess you could you could look at it the way Pittsburgh looks at Kapanen, where if you think he signed for the next three years at a, a pretty reasonable price, if we put him in our top six, he's going to get us forty to fifty points. He might score twenty goals. Like he's. He's he's interesting. I, I guess what I wonder is like recency bias. Like when I think about it, I'm like, man, like there were there was some stuff with Kerfoot that I, I really was intrigued with. Like I think he's smart. I like the way he fit with, with Tavares and Neander. He's done that kind of thing before with McKinnon in Colorado. Uh he, I think he can help a power play. I thought it was interesting how he looked on the penalty kill. But then, yeah. like, you have to, like, transport your brain to, like, how you felt about Janssen when he was playing with Matthews and looked good. Like, looked like he was helping Matthews. And you could tell Matthews really liked playing with him. So, I guess you just kind of need to assess the market. The other thing is, like... Yeah. Um, I think with all these, trades, likes, all these trades, Jones, yeah. you have to do that. Like, if, if there's not demand for those players, like... Right, don't just I, give him away. I, I like Kerfoot too. And the one thing I like about him is that he's got a level of versatility that not very many of the forwards on the Leafs roster have. Like they don't have yes. enough wingers that can play center. They don't have enough centers that can play wing. And like, so oh, the problem with one. giving up Kerfoot is that you're going to have to find another third line center and you're probably going to have to find another winger that can play center. And if they move on from Frederick Goche, which sounds like it's a possibility, they're going to have to find another center. You know, they're they're already thin at center. I think Spets is going to be back, but I don't know if that's a sure thing or not. They might be so tight against the cap that um, they can only carry a 20-player roster. And is Spetsa going to be willing to go down to the Marlies and come back up and down? I, I don't know. So that's – they might be so well, tight. And, and sorry, yeah, James. Like you need to kind of change – they can't just keep bringing back this – like if they don't – change the pieces here they're just basically bringing back the same forward group as last year like they, yeah. i feel like they kind of get a little bit more you and i have talked about it like they need a little bit more diversity here like they're just a bunch of like especially now with kapanen like kapanen was one of their bigger ish players well and they're kind of all very similar like if you have cap if you have Janssen and kerfoot and yeah. robertson like you're just kind of very small and slick that's the concern with Janssen and, and kerfoot is that you know they're they're both five ten and don't weigh a lot and yeah so that's the concern with bringing that like they they want the Leafs want to change the mix a little bit and I don't think they we, should I don't think just moving out Kapanen is is going to be enough so and I don't think moving out Kapanen and Anderson is enough and you know you, you look at I did that off season game plan that no one read because it came out the same day that they made a big trade I but, love that. <laughs> I swear to God, I was laughing so hard with some of that stuff. I thought it was such a good way to lay it out, too. Yeah, well, well, that you took all my goofy pun headlines and posted them all over Twitter. Those, those that's what people pay for. Those are great. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. No, I'm just. I thought that was a good selling point for the story. <laughs> um, but basically, my idea was like, here's four different options for the Leafs offseason. They can go from doing nothing, which obviously, you know. Five hours after the story was published, they, they that got blown out the water. But option two was they could, <laughs> they could trade someone like Kapanen. Option three was they could trade Kapanen and Anderson. And option four was they could trade a whole bunch of guys. And um, I kind of feel like they're going to go the whole bunch of guys route. But it, it might not be 
I don't think they're going to trade Nylander. You know, someone said to me today that trading Nylander could probably be the worst trade they could make because other teams around the league don't value Nylander as as much as they should. And he's going to give the Leafs more value than they're going to get back in a trade. Hmm. Well, we can talk about that on a different day. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're running out of time, aren't we? What, so we what? should talk... Well, yeah, we should talk about Anderson. Um, but before we get to that, in addition to the Wednesday two-man advantage with Pierre Lebrun, Scott Burnside has a daily playoff edition of two-man advantage Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday released at 10 a.m. throughout the playoffs. So that's a really good way to kind of keep track of everything that's going on. Uh, Lots yeah, of good podcasts. That on that. Lots, Lots of, of good, good podcasts. Yeah, we've got a great Raptors podcast with Eric Kareen and Blake Murphy. And we there's we have blue good Blue Jays podcast that Andrew Stoughton does. Listen, Wait, listen. I should mention, James, like we talked about when when some of the protests and stuff were, were happening that we would mention this stuff here and then. The the shooting with, with Jacob Blake in the States is just horrifying. I don't know, like we need, don't need to discuss it too much, but we we wanted to speak out more on that stuff. That is bullshit and it's crazy that this stuff continues to happen yeah well it's so hopefully sorry to be a hopefully 2020 2020 has been a shitty year in a lot of ways but hopefully the spotlight that's being shone on a lot of this stuff hopefully it it helps lead to some change and you know good for the raptors and 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 the a lot of the athletes in the nba for standing up and and speaking out so yes all right, well, so let's conclude the podcast and talk a little bit about trading Anderson. What it's 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 almost in some ways similar to Kapanen. It's different because he's not like he doesn't offer the sheen of upside. Um, but he's coming off a bad year. He's signed another year. He's not signed for two more like Kapanen. He's not that age. He's going to be thirty-one in October. What do you think his value is? Like what? What teams would look at him and be like, this guy can can kind of be our answer and goal? Well, I think there are teams that don't have a number one goalie or that have significant questions about their number one goalie. There are also teams that look at it and you only have to pay Anderson $1 million in, in cash. So there's going to be a lot of NHL teams that are really strapped that are going to have internal budgets that are less than the cap. Like, I think you're going to see more teams spend under the cap than we've seen before in the NHL. Um, you could be a team, like, let's say you're a team and you got a number one and you're he's he's just okay. You're kind of lukewarm on him. He makes similar money on the cap to Anderson, but he makes a lot more money in cash. Like, a lot of these teams, they structure the deals and they're, and they're backloaded and, and players make more as the time goes along. Let's say you have a, I don't, I'm just making this player up. I don't know if it exists. Let's say you have a goalie where his AAV is 4 million, but his actual cash is 5 million. Whereas Anderson's AAV is five and his actual cash is 1 million. And you think, you know what? Anderson might be better than our guy and he's way cheaper and we want to change the mix. Why don't we just make some kind of a deal here? And maybe that's a three team deal where their goalie goes somewhere else and Anderson goes to that team. Or maybe they trade Anderson for that goalie and the least like who that other goalie is or I don't think you're going to get a lot for Anderson. I think you can get something. And it allows you to look at Braden Holtby or Robin Lehner or uh, Anton Kudobin or Thomas Grice. Uh, maybe you get in the mix for a Matt Murray. What other goalies are available if I trade? I mean, uh, Arizona's going to have to move somebody. I mean, it would make sense for them to move a goalie because their cap situation is not great. There's some interesting goalies available out there. 
And the one thing that um, I don't know has been talked about enough is that the Leafs really feel like Jack Campbell can play a lot, a lot of games. So uh, well, I, don't know, I don't know if that's they better be careful with that. Well, I'm saying I'm not I'm saying sure that's, that I'm not saying that's what I think they should do. I'm saying that that yeah, might be uh-huh. that might be what they do. I'm not saying do that. Like like to me, Campbell looked a little bit unusual in the net and un- goalies that look. I'm not a goalie expert or analyst, but he made me a little bit uncomfortable sometimes in the net. He played fine. Um, he's had a very uh, bumpy path to where he is now. Um, yep. I think they. I think they just want to give him thirty games and see what he can do. So, if they bring in another goalie, they're still going to need that goalie to play a lot of games. But they feel like Campbell could uh, could could play a lot more than the McElhaney's and Sparks and Hutchinson types. It's 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 risky to some degree in that you know what Fred, Frederick Anderson is, right? Like you know you could start him. Who knows what next season's going to look like? There's probably not going to be eighty two games. Uh, but you know you could start him in 60 70% of your games. I guess the, the issue I would have with bringing him back is I would still, if I was them, have the same concerns about the playoffs that like would make me at least want to see what's out there and see if I could get someone back. I guess the, the, the issue I a little bit, James, is like a lot of these guys have question marks themselves and like so are you just trading your question mark for another question mark yeah but what if the know? other question mark is cheaper than your question mark and what if the other yeah question, then what if the other question marks sign i like that for longer mark. they and should like, just sign question mark <laughs> no but you know what i'm saying like you know yeah the anderson's five it's million. like in mario kart james when like you get that, that yeah um the square that's like you don't yeah. know what it's gonna be yeah yeah and it kind of well yeah. Goalies are all question marks, though, Jonas. It's they're all mystery boxes to some extent. And yeah. someone someone had the stat that in the playoffs right now, like the ten highest paid goalies in the NHL, or all of them are not playing, or something like that. Like they're all either out or they're backups, or like spending money in goal feels like kind of a fool's errand. And that doesn't mean that you can just go get two goalies making a million bucks and you're going to have a good tandem, but. Maybe it means that they could find a guy for three or four million and get the same level of performance and spend that money somewhere else. You know, and at some point they're going to have to move on from Anderson. And I like they're they're obviously looking into this. It might just be that they want to see if there's anything worthwhile they can get, or it might be that they're ready to turn the page. You know, I, I think that both of those are are possible options. And the other thing I should say is that it's not out of the question that he comes back. Like that, that has not been ruled out. It's not like it's not like they're saying we have to get rid of this guy. He's a bum. They're I think they're just exploring their options, and I think they're going to do that with a lot of their roster over this offseason. Well, as you pointed out, you need to find value somewhere. Like you can't be paying everyone what they're worth or no. right around what they're worth. Well, if you or, do that, you're an average team. Yeah, you pointed that out. Um, I think on our last podcast. And to your point. Carey Price out, Sergei Borowski out, Lundqvist out, Flurry in, Back up. but not playing. Rask out, kind of, well, but not really, yeah. technically. Gibson out, Hellebuck out, Holpe out, Crawford out, Schneider out. Okay, there that wasn't go. a point I personally made. I just heard someone. Well, make, whoever that, that person is, they're right. Quick out, Jones out, Luongo out, Anderson out, Leonard in, Varlamov in. Yeah, so anyway. so Laner's the first goalie that's in that's actually playing, and what, where's he ranked in, in the cap landscape? Fifteenth, or tied with Anderson for fourteenth. 
So Laner's really interesting because he said he wants stability. He wants a team to, because he's bounced around so much, he wants a team to commit to him. Like, I wonder if, and we're getting, we're running out of time here, but like, I wonder if you could, and I think this should be a full story that we write at some point, maybe together, or maybe I'll, I'll put something together. I wonder if Laner, if you give him term, if you can bring that number down, that AAV down, maybe a heavily front load a contract. Maybe maybe you can get that number down a little bit. Maybe you can get it to four and a half million if if you give him, I don't know, four years or something. Because he's never had that stability. And he says that's what he wants. The the question is just how fierce does the bidding war become? Because it sounds like Vegas wants to keep Laner. And there's going to be some sort of mess there with, with Laner and Flurry and everything. Yikes. Well, who's trading for Flurry and his $7 million cap? Yeah, well, who's trading for Matt Murray? Like... So when we when the deal first started coming out of Pittsburgh today with Kapanen, all we all that we knew was Kapanen to Pittsburgh. And I was like, mm, I wonder if it's I wonder if they would look at Matt Murray. Um, yeah. Well, there's the Sue the Sue connections. Yeah. Like they know him. Except the problem is like he's a he's RFA, so you got to figure out what his new contract well, looks like. And B he's coming off like not just one bad year. I think it's two, isn't it? I think one year was okay and one was two kind not, of sketchy one was years. not very good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's hard. He struggled down there, you know. Actually hey, last year, the year before this was good. It's pe- the year before that. People who listen to this podcast should remember last summer I kept saying over and over again, the Leafs need a better backup. They should get Tristan Jerry. Yeah. And over I shit on over that. and over again. Yeah, you did not yeah, you thought I was being dumb. Tristan I just thought it was Jari. it was you made it sound like it was a certainty that he was like Something, but to your point, it was basically that he was better than Hutchie, which he potato potato was. goalie. <laughs> All right, I think I think we've had enough. I think we're going to keep doing the podcast um, as much. It's certainly, when things happen, we're certainly going to keep doing the podcast. Uh, thanks to everyone who's listening. Our numbers have been very very good um, through the playoffs when we were doing every game. Jonas, I was looking at the numbers; they're very very good. There's a lot of people listening. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you for subscribing to The Athletic. If you're not subscribed, go to theathletic.com slash Uh And, uh, you know, I hope everything's good in your world. Well said, James. I don't have anything to add, so I will talk to you very soon. See you, Jonas. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.